Welcome back to Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Rogers. And uh, today I have a, a young old friend, Nellie Latchman, on the podcast. Uh, we go back a few years. And uh, it was actually um, when Nellie was 16 years old, she was on a youth group mission trip to New Song Church where I pastor. And uh, those uh, brief days in Windsor were an opportunity for her and others to experience God at work in an urban context outside of their own neighborhood, which at that time was Brampton. Uh, that initial experience would eventually culminate in Nellie moving to Windsor after graduating from Tyndale Seminary. Today, Nellie's uh, serving as part of the National Serve Campus Network with her focus on the University of Windsor. And she also serves as a young adult pastor at Parkwood Gospel Church. Welcome, Nellie. Hello. Good to see you. I mean, it's what been what, uh, three days? You were here on Sunday? All, all, of, all of three days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, listen, um, you know, that mission trip that you took as a 16-year-old turned out to trigger a whole lot of good things for you. Um, hmm. So let's go back to 16-year-old Nellie and uh, talk about what happened to you on that trip and uh, how the pieces slowly began to um, prepare you for eventually being here. Right. Yeah. So it was in that 16th year of life that my faith really became real to me. Um, I had grown up in the church, but um, really was kind of riding on the coattails of my parents' faith and my family's faith, going to church regularly. Um, but that summer, I did a, an internship with my youth pastors, and that involved stuff like uh, coming to the church every day for one month in the summertime, uh, spending time reading the Bible and praying and hearing from different pastors and almost like um, Bible 101, how to read the Bible, how to pray, like basics of faith. Uh, but that really helped me to grow um, in just my understanding of who God was, but also in my relationship with God. Um, and from there, um, I had this moment uh, in prayer where I felt like God was calling me to ministry, which never crossed my mind as an option for my life. Uh, I had wanted to be a doctor. I'm the oldest of my parents, five daughters. And so, you know, wanted to make their trip from Guyana all the way to Canada worth it for their kids, uh, you know, taking on that oldest daughter responsibility. <laughs> and uh, so when God called me to ministry, I was like, I don't know about this, but, you know, just kind of had that in the back burner of my mind. Um, and so I'm growing in my faith, growing in what I feel like God is calling me to. And then um, come to Windsor on this urban mission trip. And from that point, God would randomly press on my heart to pray for Windsor. Um, I didn't know at that point in time what it would look like or what um, that would lead into my future. Um, but we had just come to um, help serve new songs to serve the Ford City area of Windsor, which, if we're honest, is not the most glamorous of what Windsor has to offer. <laughs> uh, so when there, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so when God would call me to pray for Windsor, that's that's what I'd pray for. I'd pray for you, uh, Pastor Kevin. I'd pay, pray for a new song. I'd pray for the community garden that we helped to build that weekend. Um, and years later, it would uh, be that God was praying my heart uh, to one day move there and start a ministry. Yeah. When you first thought about the idea of uh, being uh, on campus doing ministry, um, mm -hmm. There was, how did, how did that first uh, dawn on you that that was a thing? 
Yeah. Uh, so again, back to this moment where I'm 16, I'm praying, I'm feeling like God is calling me to ministry, but my plans were to be a doctor. My mm-hmm. plans were to go the medical route. Um, I wanted to be an OBGYN. I wanted to help bring life into the world. And that was at least what I thought my plans for my life. Uh, so in this moment of prayer, I knew that I was kind of like on a mountaintop of my faith at that point. I had grown so much. I had learned so much about God um, and who he called me to be, but also had my own plans and then said, God, if this is this ministry thing is for real, I don't want to be caught up in a moment. I don't want to be just riding this high of like having grown so much in my faith that I want to lose it all and go off to Bible college instead. And I said, God, if ministry is really what you're calling me to, give me something I've never heard of. Take me outside the walls of the church and break my heart for something I've never realized. And this is at 16. So uh, these are my stipulations for my call to ministry. God, if this is for real, I have three stipulations. Uh, And really in that time, uh, I kind of just left it in God's hands and said, if this is real, you'll show me. And over the next couple of months, uh, going grade 11, uh, going from grade 10 into grade 11, I really started to um, notice how many of my friends that I'd grown up with at this church Um, that were falling away from their faith as they were leaving high school. Um, Around this time, I also had a vision or more like a nightmare um, where I'm in this room that was like the the Sunday school room where we were growing up. And so we're all standing in what was the Sunday school room. And just like at the end of Avengers Endgame, when Thanos snaps his fingers and people disappear, this is years before Endgame comes out. So I wasn't influenced by the MCU at this point. Um, So I have this vision. We're all standing in the room that was the Sunday school room. And all of a sudden, these people start to dissolve, dissipate into the air. Um, And I start to realize that those people that were disappearing were the same friends that were going off to post-secondary and losing their faith altogether. And it just broke my heart. I was like, God, what is happening here? How do we help them? How can we save them? What can we do to intervene in this moment? Why is this fall off even happening? So that was the thing that my heart was broken for. And I said, God, however we help, I guess this is a thing. Um, Months later, we would have uh, a guest speaker come to our youth group. And at that point in time, all he did was introduce himself and his message changed my life. I have no idea whatever else he spoke on the rest of the night, but his intro changed my life. Um, and at that time, him and his wife were the campus pastors at Summit Pacific Bible College. And in his intro, all I heard was campus pastor. And I went into this moment of prayer by myself where I was like, that, that's a job? You can do that? You can be a campus pastor? Well, it makes sense if you're pastoring students on campus of a Bible college, but what about the schools that my friends are going to? Who's pastoring them? They're the ones that need a pastor. And in that moment, that night, um, the three stipulations that I had really came together. The thing I'd never heard of, the thing that my heart was broken for, and the thing outside the walls of the church. So from that moment, I knew it was campus ministry. Um, I had already applied to go to Tyndale, got in, knew I was going to Bible college, um, and I was in uh, Bachelor of Arts, a program, uh, the Biblical Studies Theology um, program with a minor in pastoral ministry. Um, and it was in those first like couple of classes, you know, with the introduction, it's, what's your name? Why are you here? What do you want to be when you grow up? What's your favorite color? Let's learn something about you kind of icebreaker um, class moments that my professors were asking those questions. So I'd say, hi, I'm Nelly. My favorite color is red and I'm here to be a campus pastor. And they'd be like, oh, that's interesting. I've never heard of that. I was like, wait a second. 
I came here for you to teach me how to become a campus pastor. How, like, you don't even know what that is. How are you supposed to, where are you going from here? Um, and so that's where some other connections came on a little bit later, but. Well, now, went, now that you are a campus pastor, um, yes. uh, did you discover that there was more than one of you in the land? Oh, yes. I thought I was really pioneering something all by myself. <laughs> I thought God called me to start something new entirely. Um, and it was because of one of these late night scrolling on Twitter um, moments for me uh, that I saw that the PAOC had tweeted out, um, if you have any students going off to post-secondary, connect them to Rob Powell and he'll connect them to a campus church near you. And I saw two words that I had never heard before, campus church. So I was like, I need to message this Rob Powell guy. So I sent him a frantic 3 a.m. email. Hi, Rob, I'm <laughs> Nellie. I feel called to Windsor, uh, not to Windsor. I feel called to ministry and specifically post-secondary students. I want to be a campus pastor. I don't know what I'm doing. Help. <laughs> um, and he emailed back with, hey, let's get coffee. I was like, perfect. <laughs> well, yeah, um, you know, we'll we'll talk about uh, Rob and, and that restaurant meeting that we had in a minute. But uh, I'm just mm -hmm. curious about <clears throat> when you had that uh, dream where you saw the the church ministry room and, and saw your friends dissolving, disappearing. Mm -hmm. Was that an actual like dream you had at night or what was that? Yeah, it was a, a nightmare that I woke up from a nightmare. And I woke yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, crying, really feeling like this is what was happening to my friends. Yeah, wow, that that's powerful, and and you know, I, I you know, I think it needs to to be repeated that sometimes when God's call is in a person's life, there is a dream or a nightmare or a vision, something that is outside the scope of um, how we are living our life or thinking God will interrupt with, with a dream. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, and I was also thinking about a, a, a quote from uh, Frederick Buechner. Um, <clears throat> he said this, whenever you find tears in your eyes, especially unexpected tears, it is well to pay the closest attention. They're not only telling you something about the secret of who you are, but more often than not, God is speaking to you through them of the mystery of where you have come from and is summoning you to where, if your soul is to be saved, you should go next. And, and I just love this, this idea that when we experience unexpected tears, that God is saying something to us, like we need to pay attention to uh, those unexpected tears and not just write it off and say, oh, you know, I just, I don't know why I was so emotional. God actually right. communicates to us through that at times. And, uh, and I've known you to, to be a person who cries easily. And, Very easily. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how does, how does God use tears in your life, Nellie? Yeah. Um, I have realized that that's something good about me. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to kind of suppress it. I used to kind of like hold back my tears and try to be the strong person. But since I was a kid, I was always emotional. I was always sensitive, um, always compassionate and wanting to seek justice. Um, even with like my sisters, it was always like, oh, well, that's not fair. This is fair. And that's not, or this is how we should divide things up equally. Um, so that was always a piece of my heart, but somehow, uh, between 
childhood to adolescence, I kind of thought that to be um, well-respected or to be thought of as, I don't know, important or something, I had to have a strong face on. Uh, and so I suppressed tears for a long time. Um, however, I, it was around um, maybe the conference that we went to that I noticed uh, Pastor Dave Wells, who's our su general superintendent of our fellowship, um, how easily when he starts to talk about things that he's compassionate about, that he starts to well up um, <laughs> with tears. His yeah. voice starts to shake. He'll start to cry. And I was like, wait a second. This is like the head honcho. If he can cry so easily and if his heart is so soft that, you know, he can respond in tears, then who am I to suppress that? That is something yeah. good about me that shows the softness of my heart. So, yeah. um, so now, now I cry easy. Yep. <laughs> David Wells with tears. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he's, he's got a, just an open, tender heart to the things of God. And uh, yeah, yes. I, I'm, I'm finding that I, I uh, have more and more of those unexpected tears in my life, uh, just, uh, and, and learning to let God speak to me through those, those tender moments. Yeah. Let's mm -hmm. go back to, to Rob Powell. And uh, so we were at a conference in Burlington. Uh, Rob was there. I was there. You were there. And uh, we uh, bumped into each other there and uh, we ended up, I think I said to you, uh, Rob said to you, hey, we're going out to eat at this Asian eatery and uh, would you like to come along? And you said, yeah. And we asked around and nobody else said, yeah, except you. <laughs> <laughs> so it very quickly turned into two guys against Nelly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, what do you remember about that meeting and what was uh, what was going on inside your head at that time? And, you know, what was how did that how did that meeting have uh, a bearing on what would be? Mm -hmm. So at that point, I was about 19. Um, I was doing my internship for my program at Tyndale. Uh, with Trevor Ginrich, who's another Mission Canada worker on campus, our very first Mission Canada worker mm -hmm. on campus at Humber College. And he brought me to the conference saying like, hey, like, let's let, introduce you to some people. Um, I didn't think I'd know anyone in the room. And there there was YouTube. Uh, and so, you know, getting the invitation to come to an after party is what it seemed like. I was like, this is so cool. <laughs> so I show up. <laughs> And then it's just you two. And I was like, is, is anyone else coming? <laughs> and then I remember the conversation being like, no, I think this is it. Just us. And I was like, oh, great. Now I feel like a kid at the adults table. What do I have in common with the two of you? Well, I, that's all I could do to draw a conversation, to put something forward um, to add <laughs> to what we were talking about. Because I don't know, you were talking about ministry things. And I was like, I'm a Bible college student. I don't know what I can say. And so drawing upon my connection with you in Windsor and my connection throughout with campus, I said, hey, Kevin, you're the Windsor guy. And Rob, you're the university's guy. There's University of Windsor. Tell me more about what's happening there. And uh, you kind of just looked at each other and laughed. Uh, and then after you finished laughing, you're like, oh, you know, just waiting for you to graduate and move there and start something. And I'm halfway through my, my noodles. <laughs> and he's like, uh, you just offered me a job here uh, and the rest of the conversation just beeline straight to so what do you think you want to move to Windsor you want to start in campus ministry like tomorrow and I was like guys like hold on a second here 
<laughs> let me finish my last year of university. And Rob even said that, well, you could finish that online, move there, you know, in a couple months. And I was like, chill. <laughs> All I could think yeah, of was those, like, let's those relax high here. pressure salesmen, eh? <laughs> exactly. Um, and so that's, that's where that conversation really started. And I think that was like maybe February, 2016. Um, later that year, I'd be finishing up my third year. Um, I was in Israel for school for the summer semester. And while I was there, um, the day before, actually, I was going to go pray at the wall in Jerusalem, uh, the temple wall, you sent me a Facebook message, just perfectly timely. And you said, hey, uh, you want to come down to Windsor? Are you still thinking about starting campus ministry here? And I, in my head, probably said, no, I'm not. But I messaged back saying, hey, like, I'd love to come down to Windsor, check it out, pray while I'm there. And you're like, cool, I'll set something up. Uh, and I'd come back, just come back from Israel. A couple weeks later, I was down in Windsor. You had set up someone for me to stay with, someone to drive me around, all these meetings and people to meet with. I think Rob came down. We were at the university together, walking around, praying together. And on the train ride back, I was like, God, is this it? Like, Windsor? of all places, um, having grown up in the GTA, being around so many options for university and college, I thought maybe God would call me uh, to York, maybe somewhere more local, more GTA local, so I could stay with my friends and family uh, where I'd be comfortable. And uh, the answer that God gave me when I asked, is it Windsor? He said, I wouldn't have brought you this far for nothing. And I was like, God, man, moving to Windsor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, isn't that interesting? You know, uh, I think probably most of us would like to take a step with God, but we want it to be reasonably comfortable. We want to, mm -hmm. we don't want to get too challenged to, to right. have to, you know, depend on him or something. Right. His <laughs> yeah. will with our plan or our plan with his will, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God laughs, right? Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, you came came down for that uh, um, stay and and uh, had the had the tour and all the meeting people and and uh, God talking to you on the train going back home and and then it it got settled. Okay, this is going to happen mm -hmm. and and uh, you know uh, I was so happy to um uh, to to make a place for you at at our church you know we have apartments mm -hmm. and and so part of the part of the way to fast track you getting here was to say come live rent free in one of our apartments and uh be able to help us out at the church a little bit but we're not going to keep you for ourselves we'll We'll just keep you enough to so that you got a, a home base to to lean into, and and uh, we want to see you um, get launched over time. Mm -hmm. And and uh, what was that like? How how did that work out for you? And yeah, it was a great setup. Honestly, I couldn't have figured that piece out myself. Uh, being able to have a home church and an actual home <laughs> all mm -hmm. in the same building was nice. Um, and then it like 
to have that community that was so supportive of me being where the young adults were. Um, in my head, it was kind of like, we're hiring you on to be the young adult pastor, but they're not here. They're on campus. So you come here to go there. Uh, and it was just such a perfect setup in that time to uh, start my donor base as a Mission Canada worker. Yeah. Um, I did also drive school bus in that time to pay my yep. bills. Uh, but it gave me a, a job that um, I had daytime hours to then connect with pastors and people and share vision to to launch vision, uh, vision cast mostly, and then to launch the following year. So what did you think about driving school bus? What was that like? It was so much fun. Being that I'm only, you know, all of five, two and a half on a good day. Um, driving school bus felt like all the power on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Looking over the wheel. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. I didn't need a booster seat to drive, so that nice, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you settle into to Windsor. You've you've got your apartment. You've got your new home church, and and now you need to start figuring out uh, what life on campus is going to be about what your ministry is mm -hmm. going to be. So, how did how did you um, approach that? What were some of the early steps and things you did to uh, be able to um, to to get get started yeah uh, so in conversations with Rob uh, he shared that within campus ministry within serve campus network we've kind of uh, figured out that there were five C's of campus ministry so you could plant a church on campus you could start a club on campus you could be something church-based, which looks like a local church running a ministry at the university. You could be a chaplain, uh, or you could start something creative. And as I prayed through those five C's, I was like, God, what do you want me to do? God, do you want me to plant a church? And I really felt strongly like God said, no. So I said, okay, we're not planting a church then. Um, how do I become a chaplain? So I started to go that route and try to uh, become on the chaplaincy network, which I now am. Uh, as the Pentecostal representative. There's um, some of each denomination represented, so that's kind of nice. Um, but I said, uh, there's there's got to be more than just this. So God, what do you want me to do when I get here? Um, and being a part of Serve Campus Network, uh, I learned that there was this program called Red Frogs. Uh, and Red Frogs uh, started in Australia. It's a support network, an outreach program. Uh, that it specializes or uh, has this uh, important, significant um, meaning of being a, a positive peer presence. And that's the whole idea. So we're on campus uh, walking students home from parties, uh, holding their hair back while they throw up in the grass, telling them that it's going to be okay. Uh, we're handing out water and snacks to make sure that they're hydrated and they have something in their stomachs. Um, uh, in Australia, where it started, it was all in the party culture. So all in that party scene, wanting to make sure that students could live to see tomorrow, in other words, uh, and to safeguard students in that way. So harm reduction is a big thing. Sexual assault prevention is a big thing. Um, and mental health support throughout the semester. That's kind of our, our big three key things throughout the semester. Um, so when I heard about that, I was like, oh, well, I wanted to reach out. I wanted to do something to reach and meet practical needs. So if I do Red Frogs, I don't have to recreate the wheel here. I don't have to come up with my own brand or at, you know start a reputation. We could just use something that already exists that um, has a good public view um, and just bring that to the city for the first time. So that's what I started. That falls under the creative C of campus ministry 
initiatives and efforts. And so that's what we started and that's what we ran with. Red Frogs is really uh, doing an incredible work all around the world uh, to put uh, good, safe Christian people face to face with young adults who are um, intoxicated or at risk in different ways. And uh, you've had uh, some, I'm sure, uh, very interesting encounters with people. Um, mm-hmm. With with um, Windsor being a, a border city, um, thousands of students locally, um, a lower drinking age than Michigan across the river. Uh, downtown Windsor, there's a series of nightclubs that really cater to a younger crowd. And uh, sometimes uh, there can be just the streets can be swarming uh, at night with with uh, young younger people going out to to drink and dance and party. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell me the story about um, uh, one of our city councilors, the the one for the ward downtown, uh, getting in touch with you, and what what came of that? Mm-hmm. So way back in the early days of starting Red Frogs on campus, this is 2018. Uh, within the first three days of being there, serving on campus, walking students home. Uh, We didn't even do the hydration station yet. It was strictly just walk homes and being that positive peer presence. Um, That same city councilor actually gets hired on by the university, um, the student union to uh, provide a liquor license so that they can sell alcohol legally on campus. And uh, he's there to kind of manage that piece. And so end of one of the nights, couple couple days in, uh, one of my red frogs, who at that point in time was a student, uh, is in conversation with him, with the event planner of all of these on-campus parties, the president and vice president of the student union. Um, And I'm like putting a chair away or putting a table back from where it came from. I leave, put the table away, come back to the conversation. And all I hear from this guy is that that is so noble and humble of you. And then the conversation disperses and they all walk away and I'm like um what just happened I just put a table away I didn't realize how that was a noble and humble task but uh (laughs) could you fill me in like what just happened Jesus (laughs) and and the city councilor both noted that you're humble and noble (laughs) the most humble the most noble (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) so you know I asked my frog like hey what what just happened there and she said oh well I just told them about you And I was like, what did you tell them about me? She's like, oh, well, you know, they were asking if we're volunteers or if we're paid. And so I explained how we're all volunteers, but Nellie, she actually works for Red Frogs and she's a pastor in the city and she's a Mission Canada worker. She moved from Toronto to be a missionary in the city and she's works with the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada and says every single word that I was hoping they would not find out about me in hopes that we wouldn't get kicked off of campus for them to relate Red Frogs to a faith-based thing and think that somehow we're trying to evangelize the school, which in part, we're just there to support students, to show them the love of Jesus. And if they ask us questions about that, we can openly and honestly say, yeah, well, we're connected to this church and this is our faith or however. But the whole idea was not to get kicked off campus within the first couple of days. <laughs> um, and so I was so scared for, you know, the, the key components, the key people, uh, the key gatekeepers um, to not find these things out. And she just told them everything. Um, and the response that I expected was that they'd say, okay, you know, tomorrow, maybe not like 
this was nice for the first couple of days, but thanks for your help and that's enough. However, the response was, that's noble and humble of you. And then from that point on, they called us their red frog angels. <laughs> um and so that what, conversation what a strange happens. combination of words red frog you, angel exactly <laughs> noble um, and humble red frog angel yes yeah. uh, and as the years had progressed and our relationship kept um you know in good standing with the school they saw that we weren't there with any other agenda than to serve students and to keep them safe uh, and that was our main priority for those nights so oh, fast before, forward before we go down before we go downtown mm -hmm. Um, with sure. what happened with the city councilor. Um, <clears throat> do you remember the time that uh, I think might have been your first Red Frog event? There was a bunch of things going on and uh, that you were given a, a space for uh, to set up Red Frogs. And um, there was um, some giant inflatable nearby. Do you remember that? Right. <laughs> yeah, this so, is like, was that your premier voyage uh, yes. with Red Frogs? That was on year campus. one. Year, year and, one. And talk about that for a sec. <laughs> yeah. So I was actually sending emails to the student union, um, like different key members, uh, but it was the vice president of the student union that I had to get in touch with. So I had sent him emails and said, hey, we're Red Frogs. We're just starting on campus. Like we want to start this program. Can we bring this initiative to you? Didn't hear anything back. Uh, and so I decided I'm going to just walk into his office with a box of donuts and say, hi, I'm Nelly. I'm the one who's been sending you emails and hope that the conversation uh, would start from there. So that's exactly what I did. I went to a local bakery, bought some donuts, um, Steimars, if anyone's oh, interested. Yeah. You know, it's it's a yeah. Windsor local. <laughs> World peace um, could be established with Steimar donuts. They're just so good. They're so good. <laughs> So I walk in with a box and I'm like, hi, I'm Nelly. I've been sending emails about red frogs. He said, oh yeah, like I searched it up and saw that it was in Australia. So thought maybe, you know, somehow the emails got forwarded to me and didn't make sense, but I'm glad that you're here. And telling him what we were there to do to safeguard students. He was like, okay, cool. How do we book you? And I was like, well, you just tell me when you need me to show up. He's like, all right, how about 9 p.m.? And I said, okay, what days? And he said, oh, for all the frost parties. And I was like, oh. Okay, so from not hearing back any emails to then being booked for seven events back to back to back. And I think it was almost after that third day conversation where they find out all about us that he's like, oh, actually, we have another concert that's happening downtown at the, or at the Riverside, uh, put on in part by um, the city of Windsor and the school and some of the like event promoters and club promoters. Uh, can you guys serve at that as well? Students are coming. And I was like, okay, sure. So in our first year, we have like eight events, almost back to back, uh, where we were serving students. And they, for some reason, had um, like different um, inflatables at the riverfront so that, you know, people could take pictures by them. And they said, we randomly had this red frog one. So we will set you up there. <laughs> and this thing is like, I don't know, 30, 40 feet tall, red inflatable frog. Um, and of course, I had to take a picture in front of it. So me and all of my 5'2 in front of this 40-foot red frog. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. And, and you know, one thing that um, I, I've noted in, in you, Nelly, is your willingness to say yes, you know, that uh, you get comfortable. You've gotten more comfortable just saying yes. And, mm -hmm. you know, if, if it's on mission, if it's on track for what God's called you to, you're 
-hmm. say yes and figure it out later. And I'm sure you had many, yeah. many uh, <laughs> stretching late nights, making it happen. Oh, yes. eh? Yeah, exactly. So, so back to um, back to our um, city councilor and mm -hmm. uh, what what happened uh, recently. Yeah. So May of this year, um, I'm just getting ready to go to BC for our Mission Canada, our biennial, biennial? every other year um, conference with Mission Canada and Serve Campus Network. And uh, I get a call that I, from a number that I don't notice or don't know, but, but it's a, I noticed it's a 519 number. So I'm like, okay, that's Windsor. Um, so I pick it up. And on the other side is someone who I don't remember giving my number to, but somehow they found it. Uh, and it was that city councillor. He said, hey, do you remember me? I'm a city councillor now. And uh, we love what you do with Red Frogs. What would it take to bring it downtown? And I was like, oh, well, um, it would look like, I don't know, hours on my end. Um, I'd have to build my team so that we could facilitate, you know, being downtown and it would take some money. And he's like, well, how much are we talking? And I was like, well, what's your budget? And he said, well, how much do you need? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I was like, well, let me crunch some numbers and figure this out and write you a proposal. So he's like, yeah, perfect. As soon as you can get that to me, that would be great. And I was like, well, I'm actually going to go to this conference in BC where I'm meeting with um, the national director for Red Frogs in Canada. So I'll have that conversation with him and see what it all looks like. And uh, so literally days later, I'd have the conversation with David Burke, who right now is our national director for Red Frogs. Um, and like, we just kind of hashed out, like, this would be the first city in Canada that this would happen in. Because uh, most of our Red Frogs, almost all of our Red Frogs um, initiatives in, in the country are on campus. Uh, none so far are just connected to a city or have been contracted by a city. So this would be first of its kind in Canada. Um, and yeah. Does that happen anywhere else in the world? In the world, yes. So yeah. in, in Australia, they definitely mm -hmm. are, you know, in partnership with uh, some of their cities, some of their events. It's more um, contract based there uh, because they have like a fleet of vans that can drive people home and an operation call center where you can call in to get help. Uh, here in Windsor, it's me. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. <laughs> me and my team of volunteers. So yeah. our, our mighty few. There's a lot of firsts that happen in Windsor mm -hmm. and uh, that that's incredible. So, so how did it go? Did you, you put a team together? You, um, mm -hmm. uh, did you go downtown? How long were you there? Um, what were the hours? Uh, what kind of experiences did you have? Was it similar to being on campus with Frosh Week or was it a, mm -hmm. a different vibe? Yeah, it what definitely was a different vibe. So we were contracted for three Saturdays in September, uh, every other week. Um, so we had all of Frosh Week and then uh, a Saturday. Uh, we were doing between events on campus to events downtown. And for whatever reason, it felt even like downtown was without the safety bubble of being on campus. It just felt more like the real world campus already felt like the real world. And then you kind of took that away. And now we're literally on the street um, and main downtown street. So Maiden Lane and Olet, just like mm -hmm. downtown as you get between two clubs on either side um, stationed particularly so that as the students who are club hopping, which is typical for downtown Windsor, um, would walk past us sometimes multiple times, uh, seeing us going one way and saying, oh, we'll come back later. I don't want anything now. And then when they, you know, inebriated, <laughs> 
And then they come back to us like, this is amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Um, and stuff along the lines of, you know, like, this is a godsend. You guys are doing amazing. Uh, to people saying, you guys are doing the Lord's work. And, you know, our little hee hee on the inside of like, little do you know, we really are. <laughs> so young adults that are out drinking and mm -hmm. partying and, and uh, they're, they're saying, you're doing the Lord's work. Exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we, we had a lot That's of awesome. um, people from even other cities. So whether they're from Detroit or coming in from London or Chatham uh, that were partying with their friends for that weekend um, saying, oh, I wish we had this in our city. We don't do anything like this. Like, this is so good. But we'd have some some friends that were kind of like the designated sober friend. Mm -hmm. come up to us and like oh my friend needs a donut right now like okay do you need some water friend here take like this is amazing um this is yeah it was just so sweet for one to be there and to see people receptive of it and so those are the ones that we were helping but because it was main street downtown uh we had so many just locals walking past and saying oh what is this like what's going on here is there some kind of special event and we got to explain to them what Red Frogs is, what we're all about, that we're here to safeguard, that we're just here to make sure that people uh, feel cared for, uh, and then to help uh, with the downtown initiative uh, to reduce harm and to keep people safe. And so we were, uh, we're as Red Frogs, we're a reference program. So we, we don't deal with any kind of EMS um, situations. All, all we're trying to do is keep non-emergencies from becoming emergencies and so we we'd call the police over usually just down the street or um, I had the uh, the work phone of one of the officers that was working that night to just say hey we need some um, backup here there's a situation happening a fight's about to break out I see punches flying and they'd be like yep we're on our way and so um, it was kind of really cool to work in partnership with these services that our city provides um, and just to be that set of sober eyes to be vigilant in these um, situations. Um, the, one of the things with Red Frogs is that um, the shirt is our um, our ticket into places. That's our only identifier. Uh, and so when we'd have to like use the bathroom on a night like that, uh, we would go to one of the clubs and everyone you know else is in line waiting to get in to get ticketed or uh, IDs checked and stuff. And we just walk up to the security and like, oh, it's Red Frogs. We just let them in. Uh, and so we have this great reputation, not only on the university campus now, but also with the clubs in our city, uh, with the bouncers, with the security guards, uh, with the police and the EMS. Nellie, you didn't um, grow up in uh, guns and gangs and violence. You grew up. I grew up in the suburbs. <laughs> yep. In the suburbs. And, uh, and you grew up in church mm -hmm. and uh, you had all the. Uh, benefits of a loving family and a good church and mm -hmm. walk with Jesus. Uh, do you feel, uh, do you ever feel vulnerable uh, when you're in a red frog environment and um, how, how are you managing uh, some of those uh, um, situations? What comes over you? I, there's just a boldness, I guess, and a confidence that comes with like, God has called me here amidst all that's going on, people always ask like, so how do you guys stay safe? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I'm the safety net. They're like, yeah, how do you stay safe? <laughs> um, and it's a good question, especially when we're about to go downtown. I had friends saying, so like, what, what's your covering? And I'm like, the red frog shirt, that's our covering and Jesus. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but yeah, there's just a confidence and a boldness that um, I guess comes with maybe having done this now uh, for so many years. Uh, even the going downtown piece didn't strike me as a dangerous thing. Uh, I think even my time at New Song helped me help to prepare me with for serving people that might be inebriated or intoxicated in some way um, on drugs that I had never even heard of, uh, knowing mm -hmm. how to to deal with situations like that, uh, to see the person behind the problem. Um, and I think a lot of people kind of just think of um, scary situations and scary people. Uh, and I don't see that anymore. I just see a person that's hurting. I see someone that needs help and hope. Uh, and if we're able to provide something as small as a donut and water and conversation, um, then we're, you know, doing our part to, to help to serve uh, in, in some small way to help that person become more human. When you first arrived uh, in Windsor uh, around that time, we were having some conversations with with uh, Reed Johnson from uh, British Columbia. He uh, had been a campus pastor many years ago, uh, one of the pioneers really in Canada. And, uh, and then he uh, eventually uh, moved on to uh, another profession and eventually retired. And we retired, he and his wife, uh, felt to buy properties across Canada, uh, particularly close to universities where they could um, uh, help perpetuate uh, intentional Christian houses, kind of like sorority or fraternity houses, a, mm -hmm. a place of ministry. They, they bought a house uh, in Windsor and uh, it was around the time that you were arriving and, and uh, they, they had that in the back of their mind. They bought a this this beautiful old heritage property, uh, but it it required a fair bit of renovation and and uh, so you you remember those early conversations and we just concluded, well, it's a great idea, but you know just not the foundation isn't isn't laid to be able to do that, um, and then something uh, this minor thing happened. Uh, it was a worldwide pandemic. And um, talk to me about that house and, and what God did uh, for you. Yeah. Uh, so Red Frogs is very tangible, very in-person, uh, very in-your-face almost. Uh, and so with students not being on campus, uh, there was no one to protect from parties if they weren't happening on campus. There were no students to give free coffee to during exams if their exams weren't on campus. Uh, no one to walk home or hold their hair back while they're throwing up if, you know, the school's not having the parties. Um, and so I started to pray at the end of 2020 um, as the school year in September started again and we weren't allowed to go back on campus because um, this it was all online. It's like, God, would you just give me something pandemic proof? There has to be something that I can do to still be able to disciple, to still be able to reach people. Um, and he basically reawakened a dream that was on the back burner for a long time. Uh, actually, back at that conference that we went to where we had me, me you and Rob had that conversation. Um, Karen Reed was one of the keynote speakers. Uh, she's another one of our Mission Canada workers. And she shared at that conference about how she uses her house as her base of ministry, where she has uh, porch front concerts and has block parties where people from her community come by and just have this sense of neighborhood. And I, after hearing her talk about that, I was like, what if we had one of those for students? 
we could host Bible studies there. We could host board, board game nights and dinners. And um, I could be able to disciple the people who live at the house. And that would be amazing. Um, but of course, as a millennial uh, who has a ton of student debt from going to Bible college and, you know, this market that look in the way that it is, I was like, so the house piece, God, you're just going to have to provide that um, if that's what you want me to do. So this is while I was thinking through like, God, what do you want me to do when I move to Windsor? And so that was a little back burner dream to have a house where I could mentor the people who live there and host events for the students. Um, and it just so happened that we had met Reed or I had met Reed at um, a Surf Campus Network conference just before I moved here, where he said, hey, if you're moving to Windsor, I just bought this house there. Maybe you could use it for this purpose. And I was like, this is this is it. Like, that's the exact thing that like I was hoping and dreaming. But I moved to Windsor and didn't hear back from him for like five years. Uh, all this time I'm getting Red Frog started, you know, driving school bus, doing all that, those pieces. Pandemic hits end of 2020. I'm praying, God, would you give me something pandemic proof? And early 2021, read messages back and says, hey, we're thinking of selling the house. All the renovations are done. However, if Nellie still wants to use it as a student ministry house, let us know. Uh, and I was like, yes, Nellie wants to use it as a student ministry house. <laughs> and so it was through 2021 that we started to write a lease. We started to figure out what a contract would look like, what a um, the commitment would look like for the students living at the house. Um, and my idea was that they'd be required to attend a local church in the city, that they would be required to attend Bible uh, studies at the house uh, and to be a part of community events that we would host there. And since then, uh, we've had people move in. Uh, we've had people move out. We've had events at the house. We've had dinners where we've invited over our neighbors who are students, uh, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, we've been able to uh, host board game nights and uh, stuff like that and just really have fun in that place and build that kind of loving community. And Zoe Manor was born. and uh, Exactly. You um, at capacity, how many, uh, have you had living with you? Uh, so max capacity is seven. And this past year we had seven, it was a full house. Mm -hmm. Um, part, part of the story too, with you was that, uh, after being at new song for a few years, um, the, you got an invite from, uh, a much larger church in the city, Parkwood, uh, gospel church to uh, come and, and be a halftime young adult pastor. And mm -hmm. uh, Danny Gray, the, the pastor, he, uh, he, he did me the courtesy of uh, giving me a call to talk it over with me before he talked to you and, and yeah. uh, didn't want didn't to steal uh, a team member away unless, <laughs> unless I was in on it. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, no, no desire to uh, to see you move on. Uh, you're very well loved and appreciated at New Song, but but uh, I I knew deep down that well this is a God thing because um, instead of being a young adult pastor in theory at New Song Church you would be uh, an actual young adult pastor with actual young adults that are part of that church and part of the community. And it was just such a good dovetail to, to what you do on campus. Um, yeah. uh, recently, uh, we went through some other uh, staff changes here at the church and uh, we lost our, our, I wouldn't say we lost, we 
let go of um Adam and Emily, who uh, moved on to work in another church where there was a much better opportunity for them. And uh, so we recently had that uh, releasing them from from uh, our our church to to see them launch to uh, the next season. And and so as part of that uh, transition, uh, some of us at the church have put together an interim team to cover off the student ministries. And, um, and actually I ended up, uh, taking on the pa pastoral role for young adults. And, uh, so I now pastor a young adult group and I'm brand new at, at being a young adult pastor. <laughs> I was a youth pastor like 30 years ago. So, um, give me some tips here, Nellie. What, what are you discovering about 18 to 30 year olds, their faith journey, their challenges, and um, do you do you have to? Should I really be an eighteen to thirty year old to lead them like you do, or is it okay to have a a distinguished gentleman? Uh, lead? <laughs> I Give think me some feedback um, here. I need some help. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is gold in your maturity, uh, specifically for the young adults. Um, and so, yeah, this is great. I love that. Now that we're we're peers, yes, we <laughs> we've are. always been. Yeah. And I've never felt less than. So thank you for that. But it's kind of cool that we're, you know, both young adult pastors in the city now. Mm -hmm. um, in in the city of Windsor, young adult culture is interesting because they're in transient, um, in the transient stage of their lives, just as it is. This age group is so um, wide ranging because some of them are in school. Some of them have just finished high school. Uh, some of them are figuring out what they want to do with their lives. Some of them are graduated and like in their career some are young marrieds young parents um and so this like 18 to 30 we actually go to 33 um here at parkwood because i feel like it's a good enough cutoff where i can say well jesus died at 33 so we're just we're gonna end it end cap it there instead of saying 30 ish which could mean anything yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um so 39 year old creepy guy who's hanging out for the girls eh yeah, you know, so I have a, a stricter cutoff. Good. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, because they're in such a transient time, uh, it's so wide ranging. I find that even in our young adult group, um, there's a dividing line of the age of 25. And so I have the young young adults, which are 18 to 25, and the old young adults who are 25 to 33. Um, and some of what's interesting within our group is that the younger ones are the ones that have grown up in the church. They're the ones that, you know, went through from nursery, Sunday school, kids weekly program to youth group, and now are in university, college age, starting their careers and stuff. Uh, and then the older ones, some of them are the ones that kind of fell away from faith in those early young adult years and are now coming back for the first time, or they're coming to Christ for the first time altogether. Uh, and what's really cool and really interesting is that these ones, the, the old young adults, have life experience that the young ones don't. And the young, young adults have this Bible church experience that the old young adults don't. And they can pair well together um, to help one another grow. That iron that sharpens iron happens uh, with, you know, the ones saying, oh, yeah, well, I lived the party life and it wasn't for me. To these ones that said, like, you know, well, I grew up in church and what is my testimony even? And they can show each other the beauty in the journey that God has had them each on. Yeah. Uh, part of 
the uh, Mission Canada priority that um, you work in is is next generation, mm-hmm. and uh, it it is a uh, it is a very tangible gap in Canadian culture uh, in terms of an unreached people group, you know, outside right. the church, uh, but but also for um, those who grew up in the church and are discovering their independence and and uh, their journey away from home. And right. uh, yeah, so talk a bit about, um, you know, that that priority where <clears throat> what what's the best what are some best practices that churches can have towards uh, young adults? Mm-hmm. Um, not to make them feel juvenile not to make them feel like they're junior adults. I know we're using the term young adults. Emerging adults is another term that Mm. uh, has kind of been coined. Um, But in this age, they're trying to differentiate their their faith from their parents or their faith from what they grew up in. Many of them are potentially deconstructing. um, And that's not a bad word. That's not a bad thing. Uh, They can be looking at what they had grown up in and figuring out, well, what do I actually believe? Um, I actually often will encourage them to deconstruct pieces that like, Hey, like, why do you believe that? What, who was it that told you that this is the way that it was? Where did you read that in the Bible? Um, and have them actually search it up for themselves. Some of these things that we might've believed even within like purity culture or within, um, things like the end times, um, some of the fear mongering that has happened in our own lives, uh, by things that were taught to us by people who might not have even fully explained or um, fully understood the the gravity of the effects um, of the things that they were teaching us um, and how that would later on carry into our faith. So I'm, I'm always encouraging them to, okay, well, let's go back to that. And why do you believe that? Who told you this? Where does Jesus say that? Where does it say that in scripture? Uh, so that they have that journey themselves of figuring out what it is that they believe. Yeah. Well, Nellie, um, Lord willing, and until he returns, uh, I hope that uh, that you're in Windsor for a good long time doing what you do. And uh, I just want to, yeah. <laughs> and, and I, I want to want to thank you for uh, being on the podcast today. Um, there is a uh, podcast from a couple years or more back where uh, you were on a panel. We were talking about race, and uh, that was a very uh, intriguing conversation as well. Um, and, uh, just so good, uh, to have you on today and, uh, keep doing what you're doing. It's working. Great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> you're welcome. It's always good to hear from Nellie Latchman. And, uh, isn't it great when, uh, 20 somethings, uh, get deep into the plan of God for their lives, uh, not waiting around, but just moving forward. And, uh, I'm always inspired by Nellie. On our next episode, we're going to be talking to Julie Hunter. Julie is the executive director of the Windsor Life Center. Windsor Life Center is a facility, a residential program, uh, one year that uh, helps women who are struggling with addictions uh, to get their lives back together and uh, get uh, reshaped for a new day. That's coming up next on Sidewalk Skyline Podcast. And until that next episode, I'm your host, Kevin Rogers. Thanks for listening.
Studio 61.